Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for listening to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. My name's Ben Hocking. I'm not sure what we were expecting from this Sakia Grand Prix, but I'm not sure anyone in the world predicted that. Uh, Sergio Perez on his 190th race start, the race winner for the first time in his career. Esteban Ocon finishing P2, his first podium, and Lance Stroll finding a way to the podium as well. A double podium for Racing Point, really helping out their case for P3 in the championship. No Mercedes on the podium, despite George Russell's best efforts, leading for over half of the race. Sam, Harry, good evening. What was that? That was banter. I mean, avocados from Mexico. There you go, folks. If you want to to put any money into stocks on exports this year, avocados from Mexico have just gone through the roof. They have. <laughs> well, <laughs> thanks, thanks for the confirmation on that, Harry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, understandably, we have got a lot to discuss. We're going to be discussing uh, Russell and Bottas, how Russell performed, narrowly missed out on pole, took the race lead at the start and held it uh, for the majority of the Grand Prix. We're going to be playing Pump the Brake, something we introduced a few weeks back, so stick around for that one later in the podcast. But we will start with Sergio Perez. Like I said, 190th race start. He finally claims his first race win in what could be his penultimate race in Formula One, at least for the foreseeable future. Still uncertain as to whether Red Bull will opt to pick him for the second seat or not. Harry, I mean, it's been a long, long time since Perez debuted and finally he's got that elusive first win. I know it's a it's a crazy one, and uh, they said it in commentary. He's had he's had so many disappointments in his uh, in his career, has Checo, uh, and yeah, finally it's it's so fitting. I mean, it's bittersweet because you know he might not have a drive um, come next year. Although I'm sure that race may have got the attention of Helmut Marco. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, it, it, he he des- he's deserved that race win for for a long time. You know, ever since he almost caught up and overtook Fernando Alonso in Malaysia back in 2012, he's kind of been destined to to be there. And this year, he's been so solid, despite missing two races because he was positive with COVID. Um, yeah, just just I mean, even without the win, it was going to be an outstanding drive for him because let's not forget. He was backwards on lap one and last and made a pit stop. Um, and even, you know, I text you both in the middle of it, and well, not in the middle of it, 10 laps in when he'd, we'd restarted and he was somehow like already in 10th place. I just don't know how he does that. He did it in Portimao. He's done it again. So, yeah, even without the win, it was set to be another classic Perez race. Um, and then Mercedes decided that they didn't want to be good for a while. And that really helped him. So, uh, yeah, I mean, so so happy for Perez, gutted for Russell, but you know it, it, he's got wins coming in the future anyway. So uh, um, yeah, just just uh, there's not anyone who's not happy for Perez. It was the same with Gasly, drivers who have been through a lot in their career and really deserved a win. So uh, yeah, just happy people all round. 
Yeah, uh, and yeah, you allude to Pierre Gasly winning his first race this year and Perez doing the same. Obviously, similar emotion, but for, for different reasons almost in that Perez has been in Formula One for so long and finally got to the top of the mountain. Pierre Gasly went through such a torrid time at Red Bull and how he recovered uh, and that arc, if you like. Sam, how do you react to that win today? I mean, gentlemen, a, a short look into the past. Um, Eddie Jordan... The, the legend of late-breaking and sporting achievement everywhere started uh, an iconic team. My, my favourite car in Formula 1 of all time, that yellow and black Jordan. Absolutely gorgeous. And they have had moments throughout history. And now we get to 2020, where a man does not have a seat anymore. They're about to be taken over by Aston Martin and a billionaire, a four-time world champion who's having the worst season of his career, is stepping into his seat and Perez doesn't get a seat. And you know what? He goes, okay, I'm going to win. I'm going to win. And what a bloody win it was. Sergio Perez from last on the grid at one point. He had a damaged car at one, I remember. You know, he, he was part of that contact with Leclerc. Leclerc drove into the side of him. And the fact that Checo has taken the top spot. I've got to be honest, folks. I wanted this more than Russell to win at all. Russell's got a great career ahead of him. He will get to have another go in that Mercedes at some point, whether it be next week, if Hamilton doesn't recover, or in a couple of seasons' time. Russell's got wings in his future. But Checo Perez, for all we know, and it'd be a shame if it was the case, this could be his last ever Formula 1 Grand Prix. So, I love it. It's what I wanted to see. I was so happy for him and the team. They deserve it. He's deserved it all season one of the drivers of the season, if not the driver of the season at the moment. Um, I'm elated. I absolutely loved it. He's been through so much. He, he deserves it more than anyone that I could think of. Russell, you'll get your chance. But this, for me, this was the result that that is better than anything else. And I, I'm glad you brought up Malaysia, actually, in your, in your opening salvo, Harry, because it, you can draw sort of comparisons with the Nico Hulkenberg story almost in that... You know, Nico Hulkenberg, same year, 2012, had that great opportunity to finish on the podium um, and ultimately didn't do so, Brazil, that year. And there were questions over when would that next opportunity come? And, and we think pretty much eight years down the line, uh, and that next opportunity did never come for him. And whilst we're not talking about podiums here and we're talking about race wins instead, it's essentially the same situation with that Malaysia performance He's in P2. He's closing on on Alonso. He, he gets a, um, what I think to be a foolish message over the radio to say that P2 would be really important for us in the championship, which I know would have been the case for Salva back then, but seemed to put him off his game. He makes the error uh, and he doesn't win that race. And then the question's asked, because it was a pretty crazy start to 2012, of course, when would that next opportunity come for him? There must have been many who thought well, that will come at McLaren when he made the move there. It didn't. He moves on to to Force India, who, you know, whilst they're competitive, have never really produced a race winning car over the last six or seven years. So there must have been a lot of doubters, particularly with Perez not seemingly racing next year, or at least the chance of not racing next year. When would that first win come? Would there be another opportunity after Malaysia 2012? And it's so good to see that uh, about eight and a half years down the line, he's finally had that opportunity to go right to the top step and, and, and take a race victory. Um, and for the team as well, this is this is obviously a great win for Perez himself. and You could tell how emotional he was after the Grand Prix. Someone who's usually... Um, quite rock solid when it comes to his emotions yeah he was really emotional at the end but this is a team victory as well you have to bear in mind that this is the first race victory for the team in, in 17 years in brazil 2003 giancarlo fisichella the last time they took a victory of course in the jordan guys at that point in time and since that point, and you have to remember as well, they didn't exactly have the opportunity to celebrate that victory at the circuit because it was Kimi Raikkonen who was awarded the race win and it was Fisichella who was awarded it uh, afterwards. But, you know, 17 years in that time, the team's been sold. It became Midland. It became Spiker. It became Force India for a long time. It's become Racing Point now. There are going to be people within that team who have been there throughout that entire journey and finally, after all those years, they're able to taste victory again. So, um, you know, fair play to Perez. What a performance. You know, the win itself, um, I, I don't think Perez would have been picky about how he took a race win. 
but what a way to do it as you say such an incredible run back through the field uh from last place uh, i remember you know saying at the time like oh perez podium guaranteed clearly i wasn't being optimistic enough and the win was on the cards but yeah what a performance from perez Great for the team in terms of P3 in the championship as well. After such a difficult race last time out, they've come here and claimed 40 points. So, um, yeah, seems if they have a very good chance of securing P3 in the championship. Well done to them all. And, I mean, looking at the rest of the podium as well, because you've got Esteban Ocon as the first time podium for him. I I guess his achievement has been somewhat overshadowed by the Perez uh, debacle, the Russell debacle as well. Uh, Sam, is this what what a moment for Esteban Ocon? And do you think this goes some way to to helping his season overall versus Daniel Ricciardo? It hasn't been plain sailing the entire time. One hundred percent. We have regularly said that Ricciardo has outshone Ocon throughout the season. Ricciardo's picked up two podiums, both third places, mind, and Ocon has bettered that today. Um, yes, it took something of a bit of a dramatic race, but that doesn't take away the the position. That doesn't take the final result away. That doesn't stop the fact that Ricardo theoretically could have been that driver right there in second place. And he wasn't. Ocon was a bit under the radar, I think, for a lot of this Grand Prix. Held consistent pace, made some good moves, did well to hold off Lance Stroll in a, in a race-winning car, as we've just seen, and came home for second place. And it was a little overshadowed. And I think, actually... Ocon has slowly grown throughout the season. I don't. I, I still don't think that Ocon is going to be a world champion. I still don't think that Ocon is going to be one of the all-time greats. But I think this does show that Ocon is able to hold his own. It does show that Ocon is able to be a good, consistent driver uh, for a strong team. And I think when Fernando comes back into the team next season, Ocon will have had that year back under his belt again. Will be more comfortable. And I don't think it will be as much of a walkover as maybe a few people have thought it would be. Um, Ocon did a great job here today and should be given all the plaudits for it because he outshone his teammate today in what was a hectic race and one where Daniel Ricciardo regularly is the one picking up the piece and is able to cut through the field in such a race. Ocon was the man that was there. So, I, uh, you know, round of applause for him, deserves that second place and I really hope he gets some credit because it was a great drive. What did you make of Ocon's performance, Harry? Yeah, I mean, easily his best his best race this year. Um, yeah, <laughs> has been slightly overshadowed by, by Perez. Um, yeah, I mean his his move on Stroll when he came out of the pits was was I think the most decisive we've seen uh, Ocon be all year or on track. And um, I I think you know he he did benefit from the VSC call when they brought Signs and Ricardo in, and maybe was it Kafir as well? I can't remember. Um, but. He he still held on um, and made and made the strategy he was on work uh, and yeah held off held off, as Sam said held off Stroll in a car that won the race and probably should have been in front of him anyway so um, yeah this was a much more encouraging uh, a drive from Ocon and as a DC said when he was interviewing him afterwards it's a it's a nice way to stamp his authority before a certain two times world champion rocks up in 2021 so. Um, yeah, I, I'm happy for Ocon because we know he, we know he's a solid driver, and he's he's not had a uh, a bad year. He's just you know Ricardo's had a better year, and has certainly kind of showed showed off on the way. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm pleased to see Ocon up there. It was it was a good podium all round, if we're being honest, wasn't it? Yeah, I, th- I think from Ocon's perspective, I would agree that he's had an okay year. I don't think he's been great, but at the same time, um, I do sympathise with his position coming into the team. Uh, against someone who's got a year experience within the team and, and a decade's worth of experience in the sport. And, you know, it, was, it wasn't it was easy for Ocon coming into that spot at Renault. So I don't think he's had a bad season by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I, I would say I think he has benefited from the circumstances here. Ultimately, I think he has benefited from not having a good qualifying session. His rivals, Daniel Ricciardo, his teammate, obviously, Carlos Sainz, the two Alpha Tauris, the likes of Lance Stroll, they all got through to Q3, had to start on the soft tyre. Um, and with Lance Stroll, the exception, a lot of them came into the pits early, early on. Ocon was able to commit to a one-stop strategy and I, I think that helped him out. So I think he's actually benefited from not putting together a great qualifying session. Having said that, he still needed to execute it and it would have been very easy for him in his spot to feel the pressure uh, and lose spots at the end of that Grand Prix. You know, the strategy that he was on, um, 
it could well have opened the door for Lance Stroll and indeed a lot of the other guys behind who were on the two stop and on much fresher on much fresher tires. And he didn't he didn't wilt under the pressure. You know, he didn't keep up with Sergio Perez, but I think that was completely unrealistic to expect that to happen. Um and yeah, it would have been very easy for him to have been overtaken by cars behind. He didn't have the benefit of DRS um you know from from pretty much the safety car ending onwards so yeah i i give him full credit i think he's deserved a podium at some point in his f1 career considering the pace he had at force india back in 17 and 18 so um it was a it was coming at some point and um yeah i i'm glad to see that he's he's finally got there it's been a little bit overshadowed but um yeah i th- i don't think it's his best performance of the season quite frankly um even though he has finished on the podium uh, but yeah, it does do something for when Alonso comes into the team that he's he's going to be there alongside somebody who has been on the podium rather than someone who um, is still waiting for the opportunity to do so. And then just a moment for for Lance Stroll as well, because uh, this is a pretty similar similar Grand Prix to the one in Monza where he was able to take advantage of some carnage and end up in the top three. Uh, Sam, did you what did you make of his performance? Of course, not the leading racing point despite finishing third. Amazingly, if you were to say that Lance Stroll was finishing in third place in a race before we kicked off, I'd have gone, Lance Stroll, congratulations, brilliant Grand Prix from you. But the fact that his teammate was the wrong way around, has damage, was last after lap one, and was able to get all the way through the field. I know that we've had stoppages, we had restarts, but overtakes still had to be made, tyre conservation still had to be done, strategies still had to be employed. And Lance Stroll had such an advantage all of that, pretty much after. He went, what, 48 laps on soft tyres, for crying out loud, which is brilliant, by the way. Um, I still don't think that's good enough. Um, Perez won the race. Lance Stroll has every opportunity to do exactly the same thing. He, he even said it himself when he got out of the car. Uh, David Coulter asked how he feels being on the podium again. And Lance said, good, not great, because I, I could have won this race. And he's right, he could have won this race. I think it's great to see Lance on the podium. I think it's great that he was still able to turn out a strong result. I think it's great that they've got the redemption from last time where he was upside down and Perez, of course, his engine didn't make it to the end. They now get a double podium to put them straight back into that fight for third in the constructors. But I do think that Lance himself would be expecting more from the position he was in, especially when his teammate won. And if you're looking at it logically, I think we can all expect maybe a little bit more to go uh, to come from Lance when the car that he's in wings and he was in front of his teammate by, at one point, about 11 to 12 places. Um, so it was good from Stroll. It was good. It's still promising for the future. It just wasn't good enough, I don't think. I think it still shows the deficit between Perez and Stroll. And I'm hoping that Stroll can pull that together because now he goes up against Vettel and Vettel could be on the beach and Stroll could look amazing or Vettel could turn out the performances that Perez is currently doing uh, and again be beaten by someone else. So good from Stroll, but he, he could do more. <laughs> yeah, and I can't believe... This is actually the question, but Lance Stroll, who finished on the podium, Harry, do you think he did enough? <laughs> it's bizarre, isn't it? Um, I mean, to be honest, he, if he wasn't going to win, because you know, I think we generally accept that Perez is a quicker, more more well-rounded driver than Stroll, then on the basis that Perez won the race, then Stroll should have been a second, and and Ocon, you know, as we said, probably shouldn't have been in second. He probably should have been behind the the car that was faster. So. Um, yeah, it's a weird one, and, and to be honest, you know, Eddie Stroll recognised that he, you know, he said he thought he could have won the race, but yeah, he probably should have been in second. Which, yeah, it's, that's a bizarre thing to say after a double podium for the team that's absolutely launched them into third place in the constructors' championship. After, I mean, last weekend he was literally on his head after the restart. So um, yeah, it's it's a weird one, but yeah. In all honesty, he probably should have done a tiny bit more and at least been in P2, not P3. Yeah, and I think it's worth bearing in mind as well because there was obviously the safety car that that completely changed the the narrative of the Grand Prix. But one thing it didn't change was that Perez was very, very likely going to beat Lance Stroll anyway, even without that safety car, which you know should should make you people sit up and respect Perez's performance um you know I'm sure there will be more than a few who who look at the Grand Prix and said he was just advantageous to the the situation and whilst I think that that is true um I think that does that I think that discredits what he actually did before the safety car came out he was still on for a podium uh regardless or at least very likely to finish on the podium regardless what I will say about Lance Stroll and I'm going to be quite complimentary here because 
I, I, I'd like to compare Lance Stroll not only to Sergio Perez, where he doesn't look particularly favourable, but I think he deserves to be compared to the guys around him as well. The likes of Carlos Sainz, the likes of Daniel Ricciardo, the two Alpha Tauris who he was in direct battle with at the beginning of the Grand Prix. Everyone was on the soft tyre at that moment in time. And Sam, you mentioned how long he went on those soft tyres uh, and he went well into the 40s in terms of the laps that he did. Just bear in mind that the likes of Lando Norris went 21 laps on the soft tyres and pretty much everyone else went about 28, 29 laps on that first stint. So, so Lance Stroll hasn't just extended that first stint. He's extended it by an absolute mile and he deserves a lot of credit for that. And it's something I've been quite critical of him in the past, actually, is his inability to manage tyres. So he's done a very good job with that today and he does deserves a lot of recognition. And on that second stint, he was put on the medium tyre for that second stint rather than the hard tyre. He did a very good job, I think, as well at the end of the Grand Prix, considering there were those behind him, such as Sainz, such as Ricardo, who were on fresher rubber and couldn't get the advantage over him. So I think Stroll did have a good Grand Prix today. I think if you compare him to Perez, which he deserves to be, he doesn't look too favourably, but he also should be compared to the likes of the Renaults and the McLarens, in which case I think he did a pretty good job. Driver of the day, Sam, who have you got? Sergio, Sergio. Right, Jack that'll o- be Jack Aitken yeah. then. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe we'll hear about Jack Aitken later on. Uh, Sergio, I know that, again, safety cars play into it, but you have to run the race. You have to take advantage of everything. Um, you make your own luck a lot of the time in Formula One, unless you're Valtteri Bottas. Um, and Sergio did absolutely everything he possibly could. When you lose those top three cars, Verstappen, Bottas, usually Hamilton, but this time Russell... Um, someone like Alexander Albon should have been there picking up the pieces, but it was Sergio Perez from last place on the grid. The man deserves driver of the day and I'm giving it to him. Harry driver of the day. Um, yeah, uh, it's hard to argue past, uh, Sergio Perez, uh, but for the sake of variety, I'm going to give it to George Russell because he should have been driving at Williams this weekend and he wasn't, and he was thrown into a Mercedes and he, to be honest, he, yeah, he shouldn't have been anywhere near Bottas, and he smashed it for most of the race. So, uh, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with what Sam said with with Checo, but I'll, I'll, for the sake of variety, I will give it to Georgie Russ, the Russell Hustle, which is the best thing Crofty's ever said. If we're being completely honest, yeah, the, the we're doing the Russell Hustle in our bustle. It's that actually might be my favourite thing he's ever uttered. <laughs> also, can we? This is a completely side note. Why did Crofty and Bronnell have so much difficulty recognising whose Mercedes team radio was which? They had some I real issues know. with that. Like, yeah. They also, thought Bottas had a puncher. No, no, that was Bono. Like, come on, man. Anyway. Yeah, it really threw me when they ran out something else. I thought for a second that, hold on, have we got it all wrong and Bottas just has more luck? But then Russell came in. Also, I do love, just to get on the commentary, that Crofty will just waffle along. He'll say about a million words in about two minutes. And at the end... Brundle just goes, absolutely. And just ignores everything that Crofty said. He's like, okay, moving on. It's hilarious. And I love it. Anyway, sorry, Ben. Driver of the day for you, mate. (laughs) (laughs) No, fair enough. Um, Yeah, I'm going to give it to Sergio Perez. And I don't think it's really close, to be perfectly honest. I think George Russell did a very good job. And we'll come on to him in a little bit. um, What kind of a performance he put in. But Sergio Perez was last. (laughs) <laughs> under the safety car and yes considering the power of the the racing point and the Merck engine that, that powers it yes he should have got past the likes of the Alphas and the Williams fairly quickly um, on that first stint which he did do um, but we saw actually that overtaking wasn't particularly easy despite the layout of the circuit um, we saw these DRS trains form, uh, particularly with the the likes of Sainz and Ricardo, the Alpha Tauris, Lance Stroll in the first stint there wasn't actually a lot of overtaking that happened between these guys. It's not as if they were switching positions every two seconds like we saw in the Formula 2 race. So I think Perez's job of cutting his way through the field is not going under the radar, but it really shouldn't be underappreciated what he was able to do. And like I said before, if the safety car doesn't make an appearance, he finishes P3 behind the two Mercedes, in which case I'm still giving him driver of the day because he's managed to get a podium after being last at one point in the Grand Prix. And the most ironic thing is, and we give Perez a lot of credit for his tyre management. He said afterwards in that post-race interview that he actually 
locked up massively under that first safety car and really struggled with vibrations on those first set of medium tires that he still managed to take about four years. If it was anyone else, they probably would have come into the pits after about five laps. So Sergio Perez, sensational job from him. Driver of the day for me without a shadow of a doubt. Worst driver of the day, Sam. Um, uh, I mean, the usual culprits are going to get a mention. Um, Bottas was completely outclassed. I'm going to talk about the bits before he got hit by some bad luck because he did get hit by some bad luck. By bad luck. I mean, the, the, the tyre change was an absolute mess for both cars, but it did really hurt Bottas, the fact that he was on those um, on the same set of hard tyres. They got taken off, they all had a coffee, and then went, oh, put the tyres back on, and he got the same ones, which isn't really fair. But Bottas wasn't good enough anyway. He lost the, the start, uh, lost the league off the start, and a tank slapper was then swamped by the guys behind him while George Russell had already driven to Abu Dhabi and back again. Um, it wasn't good enough from the guy that realistically should be thrashing uh, a rookie into the team. You know, everyone's saying at the start of this weekend, if Russell could finish fourth or fifth or, you know, without any incident, which he did have, then great job from Russell. Well done, Russell. That wasn't the case. Russell was the better driver out of the two Mercedes drivers pretty much. The entire race weekend. Um, so, yeah, Bottas is up there. Albon, I think, um, he benefited massively from everything that went on around him. Um, he should be the one mopping up the pieces, like I said already. I'm not going to be the worst driver of the day because he did manage to get himself up to sixth place uh, from 12th, but he shouldn't be starting that far back anyway. Um, and I don't think, unfortunately, rookie Jack Aitken had a great time of it. Um, had one of the most hilarious rookie crashes I've seen in a long time. Ironic that um, he is in the car that Russell left for the race and that caused Russell's downfall. So I'm going to just give it to Bottas, but there were a few guys about that uh, were not good enough. Are we adding Jack Aitken to the list of drivers Sam hates? I don't hate him! (laughs) (laughs) Well, Harry, do you hate Aitken as much as Sam clearly does, or have you got someone else in mind? Um, I mean, I agree. The the spin from... uh, for making was a rookie rookie error, and yeah, I, the irony is very strong that it kind of caused the complete chaos in the Mercedes stops. Um, I am going to give it to, despite his god status from qualifying yesterday, I'm going to have to give no. it to Chuck Leclerc. No, no! <laughs> I, I, I am because you know I yesterday was absolutely incredible. I don't know how he put that car in fourth place ridiculous scenes like absolutely ridiculous um and they threw it all away and i know it's the first lap but you know last weekend we heard seb complaining and i'm not i'm not saying that seb was justified in that that but we've we've seen it on first laps before with leclerc he is so good he's so quick uh but sometimes i know he's still young but sometimes he does make these rash moves and the one where he sent it on the inside was uh, was rash to say the least. Um, you know, and he almost took out the race winner. I would have been sad. Um, but yeah, I, I'm going to give it to Leclerc just because you know yesterday it was such a downfall from yesterday. Um, but yeah, I, I also agree that Bottas wasn't particularly great, but for me, Charles Leclerc, you're still a god, but just stop doing that. Honestly, <laughs> I mean. God Leclerc is something I like to call that. I was going to say call that man, but call that God a lot of the time. Because <laughs> he does produce some of these epic laps. And that, that lap on Saturday was sensational. Um, but you're right, that, that first lap incident was was poor. So I, I'm actually not going to completely revoke his God status. But for the foreseeable future, he will be God-like Leclerc. <laughs> he's, not, he's not quite. Yeah. Yeah, Jesus Leclerc, he will be known as for the foreseeable future until he does gain back his status, which I'm sure he will. But uh, just see this as a bit of a warning, Charles. I'm sure he will. Anyway, worst driver of the day for me. I'm going to go with Lando Norris, um, someone I've given driver of the day to a few times this year, but it was just a bad, bad weekend for him. His qualifying performance was off. Um, you know, We saw him out in Q2, which is not something we see very often at all. Uh, and in the Grand Prix, he got the start that he needed in that he started 19th place. And by the time of that safety car, he was 10th. He couldn't have had a more perfect first lap if he tried. So why wasn't he able to make the progress from there? He was on the same tire. He was on that soft tire, much like 
uh, signs and Ricardo and, and everyone else was. So really, you should have been able to keep up with that group and go, you know, and, and do something valuable in this Grand Prix. But he had to bail out on his strategy very early on. He came into the pits after 21 laps. I don't think anyone else made a pit stop until about lap 28. So he did a really poor job on those tyres in his first stint. And he never really looked like threatening thereafter. He got a bit lucky with the safety car coming back into contention. But he was strangely off the pace compared to Carlos Sainz. Not something we see very often. So I'll give it to Lando Norris. Moment of the race, Sam. Oh, I mean, there's a, there were a lot of moments. Um, <laughs> That's a good summation of the race. Thank you. <laughs> Move on. <laughs> if anyone would like to put that as a quote on Sky Sports highlight, <laughs> there were a lot of moments. It's um, already there. <laughs> I think, honestly, Sergio Perez crying over the radio, it showed how much it meant to him. He has actually, I just looked it up, taken the... Um, the record for most race starts before getting his first wing with 190 to get away from Mark Webber. Um, and that, that was brilliant. And I think if anything says, get Albon out of that seat and put me in it, I don't know what does. I don't know what more he could physically do to get himself a Formula 1 drive for next season. So for me, that really was like a, come on, look at me. Are you are you not entertained? I'm Sergio Perez. Um, and he deserves every second of the, the glory. I, I'd love Sergio to quote that. Are you not entertained? I'm Sergio <laughs> Perez. <laughs> Harry, what's your moment of the day? Um, I'm going to go for. I, I again agree with Sam. That was a great, a great moment. I'll go for uh, Russell going around the outside of of Bottas um, because that was that was spicy. Play the meme. Play the meme. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. That was. You like it a little bit spicy. <laughs> Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, boy. Yeah, thank you, Ainsley Harriet. I'm sorry if there are people who listen to this who have no idea who Ainsley Harriet is. You should look him up. He's, a, he's good. I, I'm sorry that they don't know who he is. That's a, that's a horrible way to live a life. You're missing out. Um, yeah, that is true. That is a, that's, yeah, please look him up. Um, yeah, no, I, I'll go for Russell around uh, the outside of Bottas. I know Bottas was on older tyres and he, completely, he fell like a stone at the end. Uh, but... Yeah, he he made the mistake which allowed Russell to get close. And I think there are so many drivers, good, quick drivers out there who would have thought twice about doing that move. It's so dusty around the outside there. I know we saw a couple of drivers do it in F2. Um, but yeah, kudos to him. So I'll give, I'll give that a moment of the race. Um, I'll just go for Perez crossing the line as the winner. Um, yeah epic moment in what has been just an, a season full of epic moments. I know we haven't had a, a championship challenge like we would have hoped, and that's been the case for the last few years. But, I mean, take the races individually. This has been an epic season. So much has happened. Uh, and Perez winning a Grand Prix for the first time really topped it all off. Um, you say that if, if Red Bull hadn't been taking notice before and they're taking notice now, if that win had to be the thing that, that got their attention, you're idiots because you should have been paying attention to him long before this race win. You know, Just because this is the one where he's taken race victory. He's been putting together epic performances all year, but this this might have been the most epic. Um, so good to see, um, particularly when it has been such a journey for him. If you think back to when he was classified as a as a pay driver, completely unfairly, by the way, you think of the the season he had at McLaren at that point after 2013. There was a question as to whether he would even come back at that point. Force India decided to give him a chance, and finally, uh, after six seven years with the team, he, he's given them a race win. So epic moment. I mean, George Russell needed a PowerPoint. That was Sergio Perez's PowerPoint. Power point on the bloody top step of the race. Also hilarious that Netflix are following George Russell. Netflix should go nowhere near Mercedes because it just ruins them every single time. Yeah, I mean, I know they didn't do the first series. I can't see them doing series four. Not after this. They're, they're, run they're, away. Yeah, run, run far. <laughs> I mean, I, I know obviously Russell's was involved this weekend, but surely if Netflix being around causes bad things for Mercedes, they should follow them every weekend. Oh, I, I agree, up, yeah. I'd be up for that. <laughs> might actually might actually get a championship challenge, who knows. 
Um, we'll move on to Mercedes, actually, because Russell versus Bottas was definitely the most talked about thing going into the Grand Prix weekend. Qualifying very, very close. Bottas managed to clinch pole position, but it was the finest of margins in which he did so. Not a good start for Valtteri Bottas. George Russell took the lead into turn one. Uh, he actually built up a few second advantage even before the safety car made an appearance. George Russell did a fine job at the safety car restart, held the lead um, even after you know he got a bit, of, a bit of an advantage in the pit stops with Bottas pitting a few laps afterwards. Then obviously the safety car and what happened, that was the start of the derailing process. We're still not sure at this point in time whether he's going to be disqualified from the Grand Prix um, for using uh, Bottas's set of tyres. Um, we'll see what happens on that one. But in terms of his performance, Sam, what did you make of it? Russell or Bottas? Because I Russell. got a little bit lost. Russell. Thank you. I got a little bit lost in your intro there. It was <laughs> majestic to, to listen to. Um, uh, Russell was, he was phenomenal. He was phenomenal. You, If you were turning up to Formula One for the first time, you would, I, I wouldn't blame you for thinking that Russell was normally driving that car. Um, he showed Bottas up. And I think Bottas needs to be a little bit, a little bit nervous. Because the thing is, Russell's never gone toe-to-toe with Hamilton. So we can't do that same comparison. Who knows? Maybe if Bottas got, um, unfortunately, got COVID or got on illness and Russell had to step into Bottas's seat against Hamilton, for all we know, Russell could have done the same thing. But we don't know that. It's hypothetical. What we do know is that Russell in qualifying was less than half of one-tenth away. And in the race, at one point, he was 11 seconds clear of Valtteri Bottas, the man that has picked up race wings, pole positions, has been second in the championship, and he, he, he ruined him. He ruined him. If that race ran to the end without that final safety car, Russell would have crossed that line comfortably, well in front of Valtteri Bottas. Bottas was showing up today, and this was always going to be a bad case for Bottas, regardless of what happened. We said this in our race uh, preview. We said that Bottas had to decimate George Russell. It needed to be kind of a 15, 20, 25 second wing for Bottas to even look good in this situation. It didn't even look good. It didn't even look all right. Bottas looks bad here, and I think that this will turn heads. We all know that George Russell was going to be moving to Mercedes anyway at some point. The guy deserves it. He's a great racer. We know that he's he's showing it now, right? We know that we, we've all talked about how Norris, right, has had time to fight in the midfield to prove that he's quick, or if Russell's been stuck in that Williams, we don't know what he's up to. He's throwing away chances to get points. None of that was his fault today, and he was going to win this race had the strategy basically gone his way. Um he was by far the better of the two in that team. And I do think that Bottas now needs to start looking over his shoulder. And I think he's got less than a year to start putting in some absolute stellar performances. Basically, if Bottas doesn't win the championship in 2021, I don't think he drives the Mercedes after the, after the next season. Because Russell's drive was concise. It was controlled. He was aware of where he was losing time, where he could make up time. He pushed it just to the edge. The overtake, the overtake was stunning around the outside. Um, the guy was just on it. In a car that doesn't fit him properly, in shoes that are too small, he was brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant. And I'm excited to see him when he gets to the front because I think he could be a world champion very, very soon. It was a great drive from Russell and Bottas, devastatingly bad in comparison. What did you make of his performance? George Russell, that is, Harry. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with Sam. I'm, I didn't, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't expect him to be. I didn't expect him to be so close in qualifying, and I did not expect him to lead the majority of of the race today and lead it quite go, so convincingly. Um, look, we said before the weekend started that um, it's, it's a difficult. It was. It seemed difficult for Bottas to come out this weekend looking good, uh, even if he did win. Uh, and yeah, he's not come out looking great because Russell's just been. I think I think his the way his attitude uh, towards it as well has been you know pretty impressive and he definitely talks more on the radio than Hamilton does but you know no one's going to blame him for him asking more questions. I think what really struck me was how normal it seemed <laughs> watching lap one and the, you know the rest of the laps or, or you know first half of the Grand Prix how normal it seemed for the other Mercedes to be overtaking Bottas at the start and for and for that Mercedes to pull away and have a, you know, a solid gap, uh, you know, and, and the tyres were fine. Although, to be honest, did we notice when he said the tyres were good? I don't think Bono knew what to do with himself. 
Like, <laughs> you mean you don't have a problem with the tyres? What do you mean your tyres aren't gone? Got good? <laughs> what does that mean? Um, Bono! Yeah. <laughs> My tyres are alright, actually. Yeah, they're fine. <laughs> don't worry about it, mate. Um, yeah, that's what... I, but, you know, my point is, it just seemed so... I'm not... Look, before anyone jumps down, down my throat, I'm not saying he's as good as Hamilton, but it was that kind of Hamilton-esque style. It's what you we've come to be used to with Hamilton. If if he doesn't get pole position, he often jumps Bottas at the start, and then Bottas doesn't ever have a chance for the rest of the race. So um, I think that's what really struck me there. So um, yeah, I don't know what Bottas has to do. Maybe it is a championship next year to do anything to secure a drive because. That's got to it's got to really hurt Bottas for 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 his future future prospects that Mercedes that today has. So just to clarify, the conclusion from that is no. that Harry thinks that Russell is better than Hamilton. Yeah, tweeting it now by a long way. I think he yeah. might have mentioned as well, but yeah, unconfirmed. Thank so you. George Russell, you know, we we did reference this on the preview podcast that George Russell can't lose, and Valtteri Bottas can only lose from this weekend. You know, George Russell is a brilliant talent and Valdry Bottas knows that. And anyone who knows anything about formula one knows that considering what he was able to do in, in formula two GP three, as it was at the time. And um, what he's been able to do at Williams as well. People know how good he is. Uh, and even though he was stepping into a car that isn't his own, you know, Bottas has been driving that car all season long and been with Mercedes since 2017. It was always going to be a challenge for Bottas against Russell to come out looking good. I think in qualifying, I'll, you know, people were critical of Bottas from qualifying, even though he did get pole position because it was by a slender margin. I will, I'll give Bottas credit for qualifying because it would have been really, really easy for him to crumble under the pressure. Would have been so easy for him to, to concede that pole position. And he didn't. He just about pulled it out of the bag. And I think, realistically, he had another tenth or two in there. So I think he had him covered in qualifying. And just to say as well, Bottas is on the pace with Hamilton in qualifying. We've referenced this all year. Bottas is fine on Saturdays. Yes, Hamilton just about edges it, I don't know, 60% of the time. But, you know, Hamilton's a great qualifier. He's one of the best of all time. So there's no disrespect to Bottas in that whatsoever. So actually, I think if Hamilton was in that car alongside Russell... There's every chance that Russell would have outqualified Hamilton. I think it's more likely that Hamilton would have outqualified Russell by a small margin. But because Russell got so close to Bottas, I think there's every chance that Russell would have also got close to Hamilton, if not beaten him. However, in the race, and you alluded to this uh, just pr- just a moment ago, if you had, sh- you know, if you were to replace on the bar on the left hand side the tower, as they call it, that has all the timings, if you were to replace Russell's name with Hamilton, would you have thought? Anything was out of place in that Grand Prix, at least up until the safety car happened. No, not at all. You you would have assumed that that was absolutely fine because that was the stock Mercedes race where Bottas, you know, he's claimed pole positions quite a few times this year. Hamilton has regularly got ahead of him early on. And then Hamilton has built out a few second gap and maintained it. There didn't seem any problem whatsoever in that first stint with Russell holding that lead over Valtteri Bottas. I think it was about 1.8 seconds after 10 laps. After 23 laps, it was 1.8 seconds. It literally didn't change. I think up until the pit stop, it was about three seconds. So it was, it never really got outside about a 1.2 second gap between the closest between the two guys and the furthest away. Russell was controlling it. There didn't seem any problem whatsoever. It was such a mature performance from someone uh, not only so young, but so inexperienced for the position that he was in. And uh, Valtteri Bottas, yes, it did seem as if he was clawing back some of that advantage after the pit stop. It would have been fascinating to see whether he would have carried that on. Um, he, He did get his regular spout of bad luck, obviously. But I do want to mention this because I think this is being blown out way out of proportion as to what actually happened. Because he went out on the hard tyres that he pitted onto. So he's essentially on hold, old hard tyres compared to Russell on fresh mediums. And yes, as a result of that, Russell should have the advantage over Bottas. But there is no excuse whatsoever for Bottas not holding the advantage against a lot of other guys out there. Bear in mind that those hard tyres were not that old. They were fresher than the tyres than all of the top three had on. So why was he dropping positions 
to guys behind him, whereas the likes of Ocon and Perez and Stroll were carrying on absolutely fine. I feel as if the commentary team were making it out that Bottas had these tyres on that had gone through three world wars and done 200,000 miles. <laughs> They'd only done about 30 laps. They should have been absolutely fine, yet he still dropped position. For me, that was the most disappointing part of Valtteri Bottas's race. And I, big question. I'm not even sure whether it would be achievable. But, Sam, do you think that Mercedes should explore the possibility of getting George Russell in that car alongside Lewis Hamilton, or is that an overreaction? Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough because if you're going to just look at raw pace of drivers, Russell seems to already have the edge of Bottas. I mean, I would like to see them on a track that's a bit more intricate, maybe. Maybe let's go back to the Nürburgring, or let's go to a track that suits Bottas, like Russia, and see what the performance is there. We've looked to get on a one-race basis, and we've seen Hamilton... You know, Hamilton's been beaten by Bottas before. That doesn't mean that Bottas is suddenly better than Hamilton, right? You can't base your entire career off one race. I think that helps Bottas's case right now. Also, what helps Bottas's case is, and it's been said by the team publicly multiple times, we've never had a more cohesive, positive, enjoyable environment in our garage. Hamilton and Bottas work brilliantly together. They like each other a lot. They don't fret about things behind the scenes. They don't clash heads. They work as a team. And who comes out on top gets a handshake and a pat on the back from the other guy and goes, well done. You drove better than me. I need to work on it. That suits a world champion winning team. They need one driver in first. They need another driver in second. Russell, on the other hand, that guy is going to take over from Hamilton. It just depends whether you want to get him in here now and let Hamilton and Russell fight it out and let Hamilton maybe coach Russell for a little while to even improve him even further. But you know what? Sorry, Russell. It, I can't believe I'm saying this. It makes sense to keep Bossas in that seat for longer while Hamilton is in the sport. The moment that Hamilton leaves the sport, whether it be this season, you know, whether he gets to the end of his virus it's going through and he feels unwell and it doesn't go right for him, which is horrible to say, but and he says, okay, I'm done. Um, then put Russell in, yes. But I don't think we've seen enough from Russell across a long, a long period of time to go, yeah, boss us out, Russell in. I need to see a few more races to really know that they're, they're good to go. Because currently, what Mercedes doing wrong? They've won everything, and both their drivers are first and second. So for me, it's not enough to swap it out after just one result. But don't get me wrong, Russell showed world championship winning signs. He will be in that in that car soon and he will be a race winner i have no doubt about it it's just not just yet are you on that line of thinking harry um i mean fortunately for the sake of jeopardy and our podcast i actually disagree with sam um but i i do i do absolutely see his points about mercedes and you know it's so cohesive and it's not it's not going it's, it's worked for them for the past you know how many years bot has been there now three no four years this is year four so um yeah, I absolutely take that point. Why mess with that? But I think what Mercedes need to be careful of, and I don't know whether I put Russell in the car next year or not, but I think they need to be careful of getting absolutely slapped in the face when Hamilton does decide to call it a day. And if for whatever reason Russell isn't available or gets taken up and they're left with Bottas and a another driver, who that is, I don't know, they they may struggle because you may get situations like today when you've got Bottas, you know, who can't make his way up through the field again. And I know on a normal day, he, he you know, he'd be still be in a chance of winning. But yeah, it's, it's definitely given them a headache. That is for sure. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, it kind of all depends on, on Lewis, doesn't it? Which is really tricky because yeah, it depends how long he's going to stick around for. But I, yeah, it's got to be at the back of... Toto and everyone who's in charge of Mercedes has got to be at the back of their back of their minds because, like I say, I think they will be in danger of losing out if they don't get Russell in sooner rather than later. I think I do think he'll be in the car in twenty two, no matter what happens. But I'm also wrong a lot of the time. I mean, you predicted Perez would get a podium, and you yep. were right about that. So maybe, maybe not. Um, One step, but it was on the podium. Uh, it still counts. Still counts. <laughs> um, I'm I'm going to say here that there should be that crossover opportunity. I I think it would make sense for Mercedes, and the part of the problem is they might not know when Hamilton wants to call it a day. 
They don't know whether it is going to be at the end of potentially this season, whether it's going to be the end of next season, or whether he's going to go for another five years. There's no way of there's no way of them knowing that for sure. However, if they can if they can work with him and they can do some guesswork, or maybe even Hamilton can just tell them outright, they can put together some sort of plan to get Russell in that car long term. And I think if I, I would like to see that crossover year, so I I would like to see Hamilton and Russell in the same car for one year before Hamilton calls it a day to get that coaching aspect as you reference Sam, um, because and as you reference Harry, I don't think they want that situation where Hamilton calls it a day and they are caught off guard because whilst the likes of George Russell are I don't want to say wasting time in Williams but treading water almost, you've got the likes of Leclerc and Verstappen who are in you know positions to well maybe not Leclerc this year but positions to win races and gain podiums and get stuck in 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 the front of the grid and Russell apart from this weekend isn't getting that opportunity at the moment they don't want to be caught out like that if they can help it for George Russell this weekend the you know the result doesn't matter at all I obviously it would have been great to see George Russell get a win would have been great to see him get a podium but to be honest doesn't matter at all because all that mattered this weekend was the performance and showing Mercedes what he can do. And he said this quite a lot of times with Williams, with the results obviously not coming in for the team. He knows that the people who matter most to his career know what a job he is doing. So it's the same thing today. Didn't get the result he wanted, but he got the performance he needed to show. And this is something I referenced in the preview podcast. This was a glimpse into the future. Lewis Hamilton is not going to be around forever. At some point, he is going to leave the sport and they are going to be left to build a dynasty with someone else. And who is that person going to be? This weekend, we got a glimpse as to whether Valtteri Bottas can be that number one driver when they need him to be so. The answer was conclusively no, he can't be. And I'm a, I'm a big fan of Valtteri Bottas and I've stuck up for him a lot of times. And I'll continue to do so because I think he is a great driver and he is a great second driver. But for me, this weekend confirmed that when Hamilton steps aside, Valtteri Bottas cannot be the lead driver going forward because they will not carry on in that same vein. And whether it is George Russell, which I think it should be, or whether it's someone else, they need to plan for that. This was a big weekend for Valtteri Bottas. Did he pass the test? For me, the answer Definitely, no, he didn't. Oh, pretty savage, lads. Love pretty you, savage. Walter. Yeah, I, do. I mean... <laughs> I mean, the amount of times I've stuck up for him this year as well. I just... He needed to show more. I I've really even been needed. nice to him the last few races. I know. It's yeah. been weird. Really weird. Uh, talking about weird, let's bring on the next segment... We're going to round things off today with Pump the Brakes. Pump the Brakes! The most elegant of all intros to a segment. So, Pump the Brakes. We've played this uh, a couple of weeks back. We're each going to take it in turns to give a statement, probably relating to the race, but I guess we can go off piece if we want to. The other two people will have to say whether they have a point uh, and they should keep on going with that opinion. They've got a right to believe that. Or if they think they're wrong, the other two people can say pump the brakes. If the two people are in agreement, they will hear this noise. Oh, he caught me off guard then. Gun alert! It's the gun alert! And the person who gave that opinion will be virtually gunged. If we ever get the funding people, by the way, listening, we'll do a real life version of this on, on, on TV or on YouTube or something. If you want to yeah. see it, let us know. Absolutely. So, Harry, kick off with you on this one. Give us an opinion. Uh, the Bahrain outer loop is definitely not better th- than the Bahrain normal track. 100%. Couldn't agree with you more, sir. Carry on with that opinion, please. Yeah, uh, yeah I just... You know, I feel like everyone was uh, hyping it up a lot. And, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it at all. It was lovely to see something different. Loved the uh, the bumpy section we had in the middle of the course. All for more of that. But it 
yeah, don't know. It, I didn't think it was any better for racing compared to Bahrain normally. Um, all the overtakes that happened happen in the same places that they normally happened. Uh, and yeah, I, you know, a short lap. Don't know how I feel about it. Laps under a minute in F1. Don't know. Doesn't sit well. Maybe I'm just being an old man. But um, yeah, there you go. Uh, so, sorry if everyone hates that opinion, but you're, you're wrong. <laughs> this is a this is a bit of a nerdy uh, Mario Kart comment, but it feels very Baby Park. Uh, it's like <laughs> wow, wow, nice. Wow. Anyway, I agree with you, hundred percent, Harry. So you do not get virtually gunged on that. You can keep yeah, going. No, no red shell going your way, mate. Thank you, Sam. Are you going to be virtually gunged? What's yours? Possibly. Uh, I feel like Sergio Perez. If the uh, driver lineups went the right way has the talent to be a multiple-time world champion. Ooh. Uh, Ooh, I'm going to pump the brakes because I don't think multiple. I think he could he could be like a Jensen Button and I think he could get a championship. I don't think he would... don't think he'd win more than one. But Ben proved me wrong. I mean, you know I'm a massive Perez fan. But I'm going to tell you to pump the brakes. Oh, no, get under the table. <laughs> Don't think some Phillips going to gunge me. <laughs> Sorry, Sergio. I've tried to stick up with you and now I'm covered in gunge and you're drinking champagne. What is this life? Yeah, if, uh, like Harry, if you went with one championship, I'd have, I'd have said all right. But multiple, too far for me. Oh, I hate this land. <laughs> <laughs> Ironically, my one is actually also relating to Sergio Perez, and this is going to sound like something of an impulsive comment. However, I think he's actually been close to this mark, and it's this race that's tipped it over the edge. But I think that Perez has been the second best driver this season. Who's your first at this point? Latifi. <laughs> Jackie. Uh, Lewis Hamilton, as he's sometimes known as well. Uh, I'm going to tell you to pump the brakes, sir. Uh, um, Max Verstappen is, 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 has done a fantastic job. And uh, I think that he has just beaten. But I think with this, Perez has moved comfortably into a strong third place for me. Yeah, I might pump the brakes as well. I think the only thing maybe that does it for me is. Um... His quality, sometimes his quality performances are a little bit off. Whereas Max, you know, he's always on it in qualifying. Uh, that's difficult, though. The, uh, for me, I can, might have to put joint second between the two of them because, you know, Czech has been brilliant this year. But sorry. Yeah, I for think the- if we had like two or three more races in the season and Perez continued with this level of performance, I'm not saying it's all win every race, but, you know, the level of drive, I think you'd be right. It would tip it. But Max has been pretty stellar. But, yeah, fair enough. Done <laughs> coming. Oh, Dave's happy. <laughs> Lovely. For, for the record, I didn't just like pluck that out of the air, by the way. The, I do ratings across the whole season for the viewers, this is. But, you know, I Verstappen has been P2 pretty much the whole season for me. But the last two or three races have actually just put it in Perez's favour. But I'm I'm talking like minuscule advantage. I think that that crash today was nothing to do with Verstappen. I don't think that was his fault oh, at yeah. all. Of so, course, yeah. uh, for me, he loses no ranking throughout the season for me on that one. It's so weird that the, the, all the crazy races we've had this year, where you'd expect Max to pick pick something out of it, he's just, just not been involved. You had this one, we've had Turkey, we've had uh, Monza, Mugello. Yeah, just 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 none of them. He's It's weird. Anyway. It's a, it's a bit crazy that Bottas and Verstappen have one more win than Gasly and Perez have this year. Combined. Yeah, that is, that is absolute. And then there's Lewis Hamilton, swung about. Yeah, he's picked up a few, hasn't he? Yeah, he's not too bad, that bloke. Yeah, he's right. All right. Well, I think we'll leave that one there then. We'll be back for our next podcast, which might be a day late, so it might well appear uh, on Saturday morning. Um, we'll we'll confirm early, that, right? obviously. Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, we're we're recording it early. We're not recording it late, so you might oh, well okay. get it. A, 
you'll be all right. You'll get it on Thursday as per usual. It'll be the preview for the final race of the season, of course, Abu Dhabi, uh, Yas Marina circuit. We'll see you then. But Sam, if you wouldn't mind getting us out of here for now. Yeah, of course. I forgot to tell you all that we were joined by David Croft. You just can't get things right at the end of that podcast. <laughs> um, folks, if you've enjoyed the podcast, share it, subscribe to it. We're growing on Spotify, which is amazing. So please carry on uh, showing that support. It genuinely means the world to us. Join us over on YouTube. We've got videos coming out. We've got a very silly one where we play Formula One drunk and blindfolded. That is going to be out this week as well. And that is just a silliness gone mad for late breaking. So give that a watch as well. We really appreciate the support over there. Hope you've enjoyed the race. Let us know what you thought about it on Twitter, on Instagram, at Late Breaking, at L Breaking. Um, we can't wait to hear what you think. In the meantime, I've been Sandra Sage. I've been Ben Hawking. And I've been Harry Eats. And remember, keep breaking late. Sports Social Podcast Network.